The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. On third down, Vandenberg with plenty of time. What a grab. Keenan Davis into the end zone. It floated like it was there for the taking for either side. And Davis got hungry in a hurry for 23 yards. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is show number three in week two of the 2011 season. We have two reporters' notebook segments featuring the Gazette's Mark Morehouse, who previews the Pittsburgh game, and the Burlington Hawkeye's Susan Dank, who looks back at the Iowa State loss and talks about the state of the program. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Pitt's Todd Graham. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast podcast is part of our expanded offerings this year. Our shows will include regular Brent Balbinat, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters, as we will release three podcasts a week during the football season. All part of God's great plan. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of the Fox Sports Network with Joel Myers and Joel Klatt. A decent job calling the game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Well, here we go on first and goal. Opening drive of the game. Started back at Cyclones 26. Bad snap. And it gets away from Jance. The scramble. And it appears that Tanner Miller came up with a defensive back. And check it. It's going to be Broderick Vince. Down to the ground. The right end. The senior from St. Paul, Minnesota. This is exactly what bit them last week was turnovers offensively early in the game. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Time now for part one of our Reporter's Notebook with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. Susan looks back at the Iowa State game. Susan, with uh, Saturday's loss to Iowa State, there's no more traveling trophies left in Iowa City at the moment. How unusual is that? It's going to be weird going in that hallway and not seeing any. It seems like the last three or four years, Iowa's had all of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I know that's going to provide some motivation for these guys, you know, the rest of the season and for next season and, and try to get these things back. You've watched the Hawkeyes for a while now. What did Saturday's game against Iowa State tell you about the state of the Hawks' defense right now? Well, unfortunately, it seems like a continuation from last year, you know, giving up those late touchdowns, you know, playing pretty well throughout the game. Um, you know, they recovered three fumbles from Iowa State, but they just, at the end, they just kept breaking. Um, they couldn't contain Steel Jance, and that was such a big thing. He made four third down conversions at the end of the game, third and 15, third and 20, and you just can't give that up. And that goes back to last season when they lost five games toward the end. Yeah, Mark Morehouse pointed out this morning that for in the last six loss, the Iowa defense has allowed opponents to convert 61% of their third downs, 17 of 28, plus five of six fourth downs in the fourth quarter of those games. That's a stunning statistic. That 
is funny, especially when you think, you know, Iowa football and you think defense and Norm Parker and what this defense normally does, and they're always right up there in the nation in all these categories, and then you look at those stats and it just, it really does blow your mind that at the end of games, this is what they do. How much confidence do you have that this Iowa team, at least with these personnel, will be able to stop any of the mobile quarterbacks they're going to face, and they're going to face several more of them yet this season? They are. It's, it's going to be interesting, especially when you play Michigan and Bernard Robinson and the Dan Purse is back for Northwestern. But I have confidence I've seen this team enough. You know that, that Norm and, and Kirk are going to get these guys prepared and, and they hopefully should get better every week. And, you know, they've heard contain, 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 I'm sure, every meeting from Sunday until, you know, now and, and through the game on Saturday and just trying to contain these guys. And I think the tackling will get better. I mean, they lost four guys to the NFL last year. So the tackling will get better. Um, hopefully these young guys will, will get more experience and and just keep improving, and by the end of the season, this won't happen anymore. Speaking of problems containing the special teams problems, especially on kick coverage, continue. Oh, yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's the last two years, and they are, oh, what is it, 103rd in the country, allowing 26 and a half yards per return, and that, that just can't continue. And, and Kirk, Tuesday, was just very frustrated with that, um, not really sure what to do about it. I don't know if he'll throw different people in there or, or what he's going to end up doing, but that has to change. You just can't give your opponent good field position. I think most uh, fans probably agree right now, at least in the near term, it's pretty clear that the offense is going to have to be the strength of this team. Oh, absolutely. Um, and James Vandenberg, you know, he still has some improving to do. And as, as Kirk has said, you know, since the spring, you know, he's going to have his ups and downs, but I think they have confidence in him. And Marcus Coker, you know, we've all seen what he can do, you know, try to cut back on those fumbles, but they have confidence in him. But they, they really need to um, to get some depth there. They, they played a couple of guys against Iowa State, but they didn't get any carries, so they really need to get White in there and Bullock and, and Johnson and get them some carries and get them some confidence going forward. Vandenberg played high school football down in your part of the state there. What What's your sense of his play so far this season? Uh, this season, I think he's, he's done pretty good. You know, this was his, his first big chance. He didn't play at all last year, really. I mean, he had just a couple of passes. So it's a whole new thing for him. Um, that experience at Ohio State two years ago was, was huge. But it's been a long time, and I think he, he is doing well. He has some missed throws, and he has some things he can do better. But he knows that, and he studies film. He's always in the film room. So I definitely think he's only going to get better going on. Any thoughts about why the tight ends disappeared in the Iowa State game? And In fact, and Mark Cook points this out in his segment on our show earlier here, that the whole offense up there in Ames really didn't seem to have a pattern or a flow to it. No, it, it really didn't. Um, they just couldn't seem to get on the same page, and you know, I think that's part of it. The tight ends didn't really do anything against Tennessee Tech either. Uh, I think it's just whatever the defense is allowing them and, and James has to maybe look at them some more because in the Iowa offense the tight ends are a very big part of it and not just blocking but they they always are you know receivers who can really burn the defense. Any uh, it was certainly a, an interesting point of discussion at Tuesday's press conference with Kirk and Unfortunately, the question posed to him about the conservative play calling at the end of the game came right after the question posed to him about uh, why DJK hasn't even gotten into an NFL camp. But what are your thoughts about that? those two play calls that everybody's really focused on? The one at end of regulation, which I guess you can argue a little more each way, but maybe the more puzzling one was the one on the last drive in the third overtime. Can you talk about those two? Right. You know, neither one really surprised me. I mean, watching Kirk 
work for the last 13 seasons. That's what he does. He's very conservative, and he, he doesn't go for it you know, often in those situations. Um, I don't know if that's a, a lack of confidence in his offense or that's just how he's wired. So it didn't really come as much of a shock to me. You know, minute 17 left, few timeouts. Why not go for it? I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, yeah, I guess there's a chance James throws an interception and it gets returned for a pick six. But, you know, at least try. Going to the field goal, I don't know. I guess I can kind of see that. Get points on the board. If you don't make it, then you don't have any points. But at the same time, you weren't stopping still dance in the Iowa State offense. So I, <laughs> it's easy to look back now and, and second-guess that stuff. I wouldn't want to be making that decision at the time. Well, you were watching the whole second half there. I mean, it, it, as you were sitting there watching that game at that point in the third overtime, did you yourself have any confidence that Iowa's defense would be able to stop Steel Jantz? Uh, absolutely not. Not the way things have been going and not the way that the Jantz has been playing and the Iowa defense has been playing. So, no, I think they should have probably gone for it and, and tried to get to those seven points because you figured, I mean, you had to assume at that point that Jantz was going to do something and make a play and, and get Iowa State into the, the end zone. Yeah, I completely agree. Did you see any bright spots coming out of that game? I guess Marcus Coker, you know, he continues to improve and if he can just hang on to the ball a little bit, you know, he's really going to be that back that they're going to rely on. You know, Mike Meyer is continuing to improve on, as a, a place kicker and uh, that was a good thing. Um, James Morris and Christian Kirksey especially impressed me. You know, he had a really good game. I can't remember how many tackles, but he loved the team. So that's going to be big going forward. You had the chance to visit with some of the players Tuesday after Kirk's press conference. Did you get any kind of a feeling or sense about their mindset after that loss? I think they mostly left behind them. Um, Marvin McNutt was pretty quiet and, and reserved, but the rest of the guys I talked to, you know, they, you know, they say flush it, you know, put it behind them and, and move forward. You know, it was a tough loss, but they're going to have a tough game this week and they can't dwell on that. I assume you made a preseason prediction for the record in 2011. If so, have you changed your mind yet? Right now, that's tough. If they don't get better on these mobile quarterbacks and containment and that it, it's going to be rough to beat Northwestern, it's going to be tough to to beat Michigan. Um, Kirk Cousins may not be as mobile, but he can throw the football. So right now, it's, it's going to be rough to win some of these games, even at home. And then to go to Purdue and, and especially to go to Nebraska, that's, that's going to be real rough. So I'll have to see what they do this week and how they rebound from last week's loss. Given that, how important do you think this game Saturday against Pitt is for this team? No, I think it's very important. I mean, they're coming off of a very emotional, very hard fought in the triple overtime. And then they, they play a Pitt team who brings in the nation's leading rusher who has um, a good quarterback and a, a true freshman who has played a quarterback and it's going to be a real test for this defense. You know, we'll see how they can bounce back and how they can recover and, and see if they can, you know, get things done against Pitt. I've been meaning to ask you, which acapella group should I join? The Harmoniacs or the Dory Migos? From the six, it'll be second and goal. Check off at the line. Just got the playoff. It's on the outside, touchdown, Covante Martin-Manley. He had a couple on that side available, and the Hawkeyes take the lead. I love the patience to go ahead and go outside to Martin-Manley. That's the correct read, easy throw, accurate, touchdown, Iowa.
Time now to hear from the coaches in this coming week's Iowa pit game. First, head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the state of his Iowa team after the loss in Ames. You know, the key thing for us right now is to learn, and then we're going to have to move on because we're playing a really good football team in pit this week. Uh, they certainly got a new staff. Uh, you know, Todd Graham's done a great job throughout his career. And uh, they've got Big Ten experience on that staff, too. Uh, several guys, uh, I think three at least I can count off the top of my head, that have experience in the conference that have played against us. So, you know, they'll be familiar with the surroundings of, you know, the team and all that type of thing. And most importantly, they've got good players uh, in all three phases. They've got uh, good players in all, all regards. And I think they've gotten off to a good start, which is really impressive considering they've changed philosophically on uh, particularly offense and defense. You know, they're really a different football team than they were last time we played them. So uh, they're off to a great start. Uh, they've got good players. They're playing well. And, uh, you know, it's going to be good to be back in Kenny certainly. Kirk was asked what he saw on the tape from the defensive line. You know, it's, it's like most uh, close games, and, and we've had more than our share of those. You know, it just gets down to fundamentals and doing things that are, you know, there's always, always things you can improve upon, but uh, some of the basics, you know, I know this, if we're uh, going to allow their quarterback this week or next week or any week to, you know, come out of the pocket with regularity, it's going to put, put a lot of pressure on everybody defensively, and you know, it's really no different punt coverage. Uh, the one long punt return they brought down our bench, you know, if we, if we don't contain the, the return guy, you know, it's going to be really tough to, you know, have a good return average there, too. And that's something traditionally we've done, uh, but we, we were very poor at it on Saturday. And uh, you know, I can't can't tell you how many times they broke contained defensively on us. That's going to be really tough for us. Ference was quizzed about the kickoff and punt coverage problems that his team continues to have. You know, I'm hoping it's not an issue on the punt team, but it was Saturday. You know, a couple things involved there, but I, I think we'll be okay there. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about our kickoff team right now, um, mainly because we've been riding a roller coaster, uh, it seems like forever, but it's, you know, been you know, at least going back to last year. I can't remember uh, much past that. And, and we're, we're, when we hit, we hit pretty well, but when we miss, we miss badly. And, you know, with, with the uh, work that we have to do defensively right now to think that, you know, we can let somebody start with the ball on the 40, 45, 50, or the other side of the 50, week in and week out, you know, it's just not very realistic. So we're, we're going to have to try to figure something out there and, uh, you know, do a better job, certainly. Kirk explains in some detail what he means when he says a quarterback who breaks containment leaves the rest of the defense very vulnerable. Most every defense, uh, no matter what your scheme is, you know, somebody's responsible, just like coverage and uh, kickoffs or punts. Somebody's got to, you know, set an edge and hold an edge so, you know, the rest of the guys can help uh, do their jobs and play play their positions. But once once a quarterback gets outside of that, or anybody, any defender, any anybody with the football, but a quarterback in this case gets outside, it just you know puts everybody in a real precarious position. Plus, the guys coming across the field can't be of any help or assistance. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, stuff you learn like when you're in junior high school, typically. You know, most most well used to in the old days. I'm not sure anybody's learning it anymore, but anyway, it just I will I will say that. I mean, you know, good good high school teams, good junior high school teams understand somebody's got to contain. I think most of us learned that growing up, and it's just you know, we're not doing a very good job of it right now. So we're going to coach it better and just get it get it accomplished somehow. Kirk talks about Pitt's offense under the new schemes put in place by new Pitt head coach Todd Graham. What, what we're going to see this Saturday is probably a lot like we've seen the last two weeks. And if you flash back to Michigan as well, uh, a couple of the assistants on the staff are from Michigan. You know, that's what you're going to see. So you're going to see the quarterback, you know, option attack throwing the football you know a lot of plays fast pace all that type of thing so you know we'll, we'll see uh, him run the ball we'll see him throw it and you know and they've got you know an excellent running back too I'm sure everybody's aware of that and he's a really good football player got a good offensive line they've got good skill guys out wide so it's 
you know, it's just a matter of them really getting this thing in sync, but they, they've been doing pretty well. And Kirk was asked if there's a chance there will be more true freshmen playing in the games going forward. It's a, it's a daily process. You know, I think about continually, constantly. That's, that's one of my few responsibilities. We always look at the whole roster, and you know, we, we talk about it pretty frequently, especially this time of year, the month of September and August. You know, At some point, we'll kind of get settled in, but uh, I think all of us went into this year with a mindset that uh, you know, we never, you're never quite sure what's going to happen, what's going to materialize, what things are going to look like. And, uh, you know, when you lose a player like Dakota Getch, you lose a player like Mikhail McCall. We've lost two now for the season, at least, you know, looks like for the season. Uh, that, that affects things too. So, you know, we, we can't go to the waiver wire. We're not going to make any trades or anything like that. So, you know, we just got to keep looking at what we have and see what we can do to, you know, fortify the, the team on Saturday. <laughs> New Pitt head coach Todd Graham is in his first season coaching the Panthers. Graham talks about the state of his team after the first two games. Well, we, uh, you know, uh, are thrilled to be 2-0, uh, even though we uh, you know, probably played down the level of competition last week and just didn't, didn't close it out. We had a chance to go up 35-7, turn the football over. We had, had you know, I think, a couple turnovers in the second half that... Uh, uh, you know that we've got to eliminate. We put the ball in jeopardy too much, and we turned the ball over five times at one position uh, in the first two games. Uh, but uh, you know, lots of positive things. And the guys can get better. Giving up uh, the last minute of those games has just been just giving up cheap, cheap scores and things like that. But uh, uh, again, anytime you can be two and zero, and you're, you're excited, we're forward, and uh, uh, it gets tougher this week going down to Iowa and. Uh, know exactly what to expect there, uh, and uh, we got to play our best game be successful. Graham was asked if his team is where he thought they would be at this point in the season. Well, uh, you know, I, I would I would have liked for us to play the heck of a lot better uh, than we played last week. I think the first game was about what I thought it would be. Uh, it's just like defensively. We played, uh, I think, 26 series. We've had 17 three and outs, which is phenomenal. And at the other nine series, uh, you know, uh, giving up six touchdowns, uh, had five critical errors on those, uh, and some, and most of them been late in the game. We got, uh, we had, I think they scored two touchdowns in the last three and a half minutes of the ball game, and and I think a lot of it is, you know, uh, uh, just uh, you know, getting complacent, and get ahead, and stuff like that, and then just just you know, but we got to be more disciplined about what we're doing, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're about, I mean, I, I expected, uh, you know, uh, to be, you know, uh, and offensively, to give, you know, we got Ray, who's the leading rusher in the country right now, uh, you know, and he's doing a tremendous job. And we've just had drop balls, which are, which are you know, which, you know, you don't so and say you expect, you expect that, but, uh, you know, sometimes those things happen whenever you put in a new system. But the main thing has just been the plays where we've not, we've not done not executed the offense or the plays and we've you know, operated outside, not showing the discipline that we need to have to run this. Because you can't ad-lib in this offense. you got to be disciplined, run it. And uh, to be quite honest, we just haven't played very well quarterback. We've played, we've done some great things, uh, done some great things uh, at that position at times. And we have great potential, and I have great belief uh, uh, in Tino on what we're doing. It's just, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that position. and. And you got to be, we got to be more disciplined and learn, and continue to, you know, to work hard to get better. So, you know, I'm really pleased with where we're at special teams wise. Other than we're missing field goals, and I mean, the kick, the kicks have not been very good, been inconsistent. But our special teams units have been stellar. I mean, we have 
play two football games, had zero penalties, uh, kicked one, had one penalty kicking the ball out of bounds. But our, our units have been very desperate, very stellar. And we've been, you know, for the most part defensively, you know, doing a great job against the run and just absolutely, and, and doing well against the pass, just giving up some bonehead, you know, critical error plays and stuff like that. We just got to get those things corrected. But we've got the makings of, of a really good football team. Uh, we just got to improve. We've got to do it in a hurry this week, and uh, we'll be tested. We'll find out where we're at this week, I really believe. And Graham talks about his star running back, Ray Graham, and the transition to his new offense. I'm very thankful for him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. I, you know, I, I can tell you that uh, if you look at, uh, uh, you know, there's it's high risk, uh, and it's also a high reward deal in what we do offensively, and I can tell you that we're closer than, than, than you think. Uh, and uh, having a guy like Ray that you know that can make, and I'm going to tell you, because we, we sometimes hand the ball off to him and we're fundamentally messing up, leaving a guy in block, and he just makes a miss and makes yards. He, his, his tenacity and how he competes is, is as good as I've ever been around. Uh, he's got a chance to be uh, the premier, the best, I think, in the country. And uh, uh, absolutely, that is uh, something that uh, helps you gives you a great deal of confidence to know you got a guy like that in the backfield. As well as Zach Brown's been very consistent as well. I think our running back court's been very good. I think um, we've been inconsistent at receiver other than Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan has been stellar for us. Uh, we've got to get more consistency at receiver. And, we, and as as we go and we you know get those younger guys developed up front on the offensive line, uh, we're just going to get better and better. But everything we do is, you know, the biggest improvement's got to be up front and quarterback. Time now for part two of our Reporter's Notebook with Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. Mark previews the Iowa Pit game. So, Mark, we have a Big East versus Big Ten non-conference game this uh, weekend, and Pitt comes in with a new coaching staff, a new head coach, new offensive and defensive schemes, and also, by the way, the number one running back uh, in the country, or the leading rusher at least, 161 yards per game, six rushing TDs, and second in the country in points per game. Talk about uh, what you see overall in this game, and then we can get into more detail as we go along. Uh, The running back is Ray Graham. He's 5'9", 195 pounds, and averages 161 yards a game. And, yeah, he's, he's really sort of their, their uh, what makes him go right now. Uh, quarterback Tino Sanceri is, you know, like you said, John, it, it's a new new offensive system. It's an up-tempo system, but it's not a spread. It's a up-tempo, sort of conventional physical offense. Um, Todd Graham uses, the coach, coach Todd Graham uses uh tight ends and fullbacks much like Iowa does so but there, his history is with uh, he worked for under uh, Rich Rodriguez at uh, West Virginia and his offensive coordinator Calvin McGee worked he was uh, Rich Rodriguez's uh, offensive coordinator at West Virginia and Michigan so you know there's some of that in there but uh, right now they're selling it as, as just up up tempo and when when a, when a new coach comes in with a radically different offense than what Pitt had, you know, Tino Sinceri 
played for, Tino Sinceri played for Dave Wanstead, which was a very NFL style, much like Iowa. Quarterback is not asked to do any really acrobatics. Now he is, and that, that's sort of where things are, I don't want to say falling apart, but that's where they, they struggle. Tino Sinceri is just, as you might expect, the quarterback is under the gun in this, and, and he's, you know, taking his very, very new steps, or very first steps in this offense, and there's some bobbles. But uh, offensive line hasn't really helped. They've given up nine sacks, which is among the worst in the country, number 117. Uh, but, you know, they play against Iowa's defense, which last week, uh, you know, you saw they, 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 Iowa was sort of exposed on defense. Defensive line, blue contain, uh, left leaving the rest of the defense very, very vulnerable. And Steel Jans took advantage, and he became the Lefester Rhodes of Iowa State football, basketball, slash lore. Iowa has work to do in defense. And Coach Ferris on the radio show on Wednesday night said uh, they're thinking about some changes, and, but it might be a few weeks. So we'll see on that one. Uh, defensively, Pitt is a 3-4. Iowa doesn't face too many 3-4s, and Pitt uh, defensive coordinator Keith Patterson, he's out there with uh, one of the greatest offensive minds ever in football, and Dick LeBeau, or offensive defensive minds ever in football, and Dick LeBeau, and he picked his brain this summer, so I think you'll see very, very shifty fronts out of this 3-4. You'll see uh, Pitt to try try to come up with a, the, a good matchup to get uh, uh, their defensive end, Brandon Lindsay, off. He's uh, got, he had 10 sacks last year, already has two this year, so Pitt, yeah, Pitt's defense, 3-4, very shifty, and uh, they're not struggling too badly on defense. They gave up 29 points to Maine, but uh, they had just a few junk t- touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They're 2-0. and They've yep. both been close games against what I think most people would regard as lesser competition. <laughs> to say the do least. You attribute, yeah, do you attribute that to the, the change in the offensive and defensive uh, philosophy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always uh, some cracked eggs. If you will, when you when you change that, and uh, this it's a very different offense. It's a very different tempo beat that comes in, and that is really going to show up a quarterback in a half so far. Pitt is blessed to have Ray Graham, the running back, because without him, there's no real peg there to keep things going. I think if they can feed him uh, against the Hawkeyes, if he's in the 150, 170-yard range, uh, I was in trouble uh, because that gives that by Tino Sinceri time to figure it out and to find some rhythm and get things going, and then Pitt moves the ball. It'll be interesting to see if Iowa's defense has, makes that makes what you know improvements. You know, plays that scheme harder, fills its lanes. You know, learns from last week, basically. Because you know, the, one of the best things you can say about last week is that uh, it was filled with teachable moments. And uh, if they're not learning, then they're in trouble. If you look back over the last few years at Iowa, the tip observer would say, bring on a team that has a good running back because Iowa's defense rarely gives up more than 100 yards to any running back, no matter how good they've been over the last few years. Do you think that holds true this year? Well, they've already given up in two weeks. They've given up 100 yards. And this week, if they hold, if they hold uh, Ray Graham under under 100, then then uh, this, that's a winnable number for Iowa. I mean, it's a very winnable number for Iowa. That, that's easier said than done. I mean, I, I can't remember. Last year, I know... Um, uh, Denard Robinson had uh, hit uh, over 100 yards against Iowa before. I mean, you can count them on one hand. It's the last two years, I think. This year, so far, two games, two fingers are up in the air. So I think all, I think all bets are off. I mean, don't expect.
expect Iowa's this defense to come through anywhere near what I, what the last two years defense the, the defense of the last two years have. It's just different personnel. There's been a drop off, and they're just going to have to deal with it. I mean, the roster has lost a few guys on defense. I was counting today. I think it's like eight or nine defensive tackles or defensive linemen only in the last few years, and that's 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 cr- that's killer for death because you have those guys written in, and also they're not there, and all of a sudden you're younger, and they're they're much younger, and I think that also kind of leads into special teams, which you know kick coverage is still a train wreck. Is the pit QB have the kind of elusiveness that Steel Jance had? No, no, he uh, he hasn't. They haven't used him much as a rusher. Um, they use him more. He, he's more of a passer, and I don't think he quite has the quicks or the explosiveness that Jance had. Uh, Jance, that that was you know that was a singular performance against Iowa. Big 12 Player of the Week. Let's leave it at that. But you know, I was going to see these guys. You're going to see these guys all season. It seems like. I mean, you look at uh, you know Denard Robinson to name one, who all of a sudden is a drop back passer too. Uh, Dan Perso will probably be back by the time Iowa plays Northwestern on October 15th. Minnesota's Marquise Gray coming up. Uh, he could be, you know, the, Minnesota's really struggling, but he's a wonderful-looking athlete at 6'5", 220, can move. And then uh, Purdue, the way they run their offense spread. And then, of course, in, in Nebraska, you finish with uh, uh, Martinez, T, uh, Taylor Martinez, T-Magic. He can run and throw a little bit. So I was going to be facing these guys all year. They better learn to deal with it pretty quickly. The 3-4 defense that Pitt runs, what kind of unique problems does that pose to Iowa's offensive line, especially when they don't see that kind of a defense any other time of the year? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest problem. They don't see that defense very much. And then you have, it looks for matchups. I mean, look how the Packers use. I mean, I go back to the Packers. I've watched them a lot. I'm a Packer fan. And they are a 3-4 defense. And I would say, look, they have sort of a play. Player in Lindsey, who had, last year had 10 sacks. They, they'll probably try to get him going the way the Packers get uh, uh, Clay Matthews going. No. Will it work? I don't know. I think uh, I think Iowa's defensive line or offensive line can hold up, especially on the edge with pass defense with pass blocking. I think uh, last week uh, Marcus Zusevich was tremendous, and there were eight or nine NFL scouts there. I think he made himself some money last week. Of course, Riley Reef is uh, one of the better ones in the Big Ten. So I think Iowa on the edges will be safe. So watch him try to run some games at the middle. I mean, that's largely improved. I mean, James Ferentz is a very good center. He's a, he's a all Big Ten cal type player. But, you know, the other two guys, uh, Adam Geddes and uh, Matt Tobin, are new. And uh, they'll be seeing some of their first stuff, too, this year. So, or this week, too. They'll be seeing, you know, BCS conference. They'll be seeing 3-4 defense. They're going to have a lot of newness. So, you know, new players and new situations. And I think that bears watching. Let's stick with the offense for a second for Iowa. There's no way Marcus Coker can keep running like he has been in terms of no no backups and and that you know it appears that we're sort of at the phantom backup stage here yeah um, I'm with you on that one yeah. what, what do you expect to see Saturday well uh, on this Wednesday radio show uh, Coach Ferentz talked about playing number two back he mentioned Damon Bullock Jason White has been that name to that guy the last few weeks but uh, I don't think he thinks he's that because he's not really carried the ball he didn't last week in Ames so it's hard to say this could be the week, and, and this this debate is going going to rage 
with uh, Jordan Canzeri because he had a good camp. He's a, he's a little guy. He's a, he's a 5'9", 175-pounder. Small back. He can ha- help them. And coaches, I think, believe they can help. he can help them. But, you know, there's also the uh, thought of what's the best move they can make with, for the player. I mean, it's, at 170 pounds, 170 pounds, 75 pounds, is he ready? Is he ready to play a full season? Is he ready to, you know, will he, you know, there's injury, there's fatigue, there's a lot of factors go into it. I don't think, uh, I don't, I, I know it's a decision they can't take lightly, and I, and I know it's a decision they're not taking lightly, but at some point, and this is me just talking in circles, but I think very much so, at some point they're going to have to use them because you're right. They, Marcus Coker cannot carry the ball 35 times a game. That He'll be done by week six if they do that. The other sort of odd thing out of the games last Saturday in Ames was the disappearance of Iowa's tight ends in the offense. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I don't know if it was uh, where... I think a lot of it stems from the quarterback and what he's seeing. Now, did he see open tight ends? I don't know. I mean, I didn't want... I watched the game afterward, but I don't have the coaches tape, so a lot of times the receivers go off screen. Did, you know, were they covered? Did they get open? I think one of the revelations last week to me, uh, after Steel Jans, of course, was Iowa State's defense played really well. And uh, probably, I mean, after Jan, probably gets the other helmet sticker, game ball, whatever you want to give out. I think Iowa State's defense right there. And, you know, tight ends were, you know, they were, they, they, there was no coverage that uh, Iowa didn't expect. There was no trick coverage to take Marvin McNutt out of things. Uh, they went straight up mostly. And, and, and it's what Vandenberg is seeing. I thought maybe he was a little early with some throws Saturday. You know, in that environment, it's a it's a huge. You know, he threw eight times last year. He played against Tennessee Tech the week one, week two. And he went, you know, went in the frying pan. And you know, people can point, people do point to the Ohio State start, but that was it was 15 games, and I think 22 months ago. So that was getting a little a little bit yellowed and so Dawson Nunes I think he's a little early in some of his reads a little bit nervous at which you, you'd expect And uh, but Iowa State also plays excellent defense Yeah, Marv Cook in his uh, segment this week talked about how critical it is for Iowa especially as we get into the meatier part of the schedule to really get their tight ends involved in that offense which opens up the wideouts and opens up the running backs as well I mean they all are interrelated but do you think it looks as if maybe Vandenberg's not quite going through all of his progressions at this point it it could be i mean i, I don't know how uh, how much you want to read into that because we, it's hard for us to know exactly what um he's seeing because we're not in film and all that stuff but that said things seem quick uh, I, I i don't know if it's a you know i look at the pass that uh, he threw over marvin gus had after he broke open late toward the sideline he floated one over his head marvin was open if uh if uh james wade's count or two then that he doesn't have to float that pass. He can zip it, but it's it's hard to say. I mean, it's machine gun fire back there, and he's trying to figure it out. And everybody has an internal clock, and you know that's one thing we can say about uh, Vandenberg is that you know what is that internal clock saying right now as a quarterback? I mean, he's saying get rid. Of, I think it's probably sped up after going. You know, this is his first real leap. You know, after 15 games in 22 months, so I'm sure that clock is a little bit uh, a little bit hyper right now. As you look ahead to Saturday, in your mind, what are the key offensive and defensive matchups? I think 
think uh, Pitt's offensive line against Iowa's defensive line, I think, is that is going to be a crosshairs matchup until Iowa's defensive line proves that it can um, hang. <laughs> I don't know what better way to put it. Uh, Iowa's def- defensive line needs to prove it, that it can play its position before you can stop worrying about it. And that uh, that also said, you know, Tyler Nielsen, Iowa's most experienced linebacker, that, that was an ankle injury he suffered in the first play or first two plays of the game Saturday. He goes out of the game. Iowa State goes down to the five before the the, the fumble and the snap. I, he's not 100%. Uh, he had seven hours worth of uh, uh, treatment on that ankle Sunday. So he, he's, you know, I, I don't want to say questionable because kids are resilient. He's a fifth-year senior. Every game is gold for him, and they need him this week. And going into uh, what uh, Louisiana Monroe and then a bio off week, he, he probably plays, but I'm not sure how effective it will be. So that's, that's a big deal. I, I look at Iowa's defensive line against Pitt's offensive line, which is not setting the world on fire. And then offensively, it's a little tougher one. I, I think that's such a different defense that you maybe look at uh, how Iowa's offensive line picks this up, and you look, I, I, I think it's kind of two-pronged. You have to look at how Iowa's offensive line picks this up, and then you have to look at how uh, Vandenberg reads it. And check his reads this week. I mean, are, are they short? Is he looking at one? Is he looking at two? And, and how is his count? What's his uh, what's his rhythm back there? Because I think that's something right now that is sort of up and down a little bit. Your uh, offensive player most important in the game? Defensive player most important in this game? What about special teams? <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you that question in a minute. But <laughs> I think... If I had to go with one guy, I'd say uh, I would I would like to see, because I like this kid, and I think he's a decent player, and he's taken his first steps as a starter. Uh, he lost a few plays last week, but uh, defensive cornerbacks are going to do that, and I'd like to see Greg Estee on a game that, that gives him some confidence and lets this defense not worry about that one position. Right now, Prater is out there. He's, he's locking it down. There are a lot, I've got a lot of questions this week about, well, is it time for Micah Hyde to move back to corner. I think he's doing okay at safety and I think he probably wants to be a safety now that they've made that jump. So that leaves corner. You have Fred Castillo. He's out there. He, he lost a few plays last week. He, he had beaten a touchdown uh, that was a back shoulder throw. A lot of defensive backs lose that. To me, he's I, I have not noticed him being a, a giant problem out there. He's missed a few plays, yes, but they all do. But he needs. I, I think he needs to have a game where he feels confident and plays well. Uh, offensively, it's a little tougher one, but I thought Keenan Davis last Last week was on, on his way to a not a star making game because I think it, it takes more than one game to make a star. But uh, you know he was on his way to having a game where okay resumes filling up now. And then he had the big drop at the end in the third overtime. So I think look for him and, and look for that consistency. I think consistency up and down the board on offense is something that was missing last week. I mean sometimes pass protection on offense. If he Coker, you know he has this problem again with the fumble. But other than that he was he was pretty he was awfully consistent and then uh vandenberg i mean consistency across the board is something that this offense still kind of struggling with but uh i, I think it's time for keenan to to take over i mean he's got all the tools time to let that happen what about special teams especially kickoff and punt coverage yeah on the radio show on wednesday Ferrin said uh, uh that the kick coverage was painful to watch i mean his assessment of that unit has has kind of gone through uh, different uh, different levels of um, 
trying to cushion his real thoughts. Now I think we're definitely into the real thoughts because it's been two years where I think just not been not been right and uh, not right again this week. And and it's a real headache now. I think that directly points at and you know maybe this is too big a picture of a of an assessment, but I, to me. An unhealthy special teams points at a roster that playing a lot of young players is is counting on a lot of guys who've never done much or anything to make a difference in you know one third of the game. So I think it points to a roster that's really just not experienced, not healthy right now. And uh, when I say healthy, I don't mean the medically healthy. I mean healthy and experienced and seasoned players who who uh, know what to do and are aggressive. So I think that right now, you know, there's a lot of young guys on all these units and uh, a lot of unproven players in these units. You're going to have to live with the, the sort of the mess that it is until those units fill up and get some experience. Well, at some point, it's either that or, you know, in some of the years that Kirk had really good special teams, there were a lot of starters playing on those. Yeah, um, they've, or, really, they've really gone away from that. I mean, that, And the way that Iowa is set up this year's uh, depth wise on the two deep i don't think they can afford to do that prediction for saturday i think uh, i have a 34 27 iowa i expect a little bit of a higher scoring game and uh i think iowa is going to have to lean on its best foot forward and right now that's the offense there's no getting around it uh, the defense is just not until i see the defense come through in a few games or in a few tight situations then you can believe in it but right now uh given last week you know they gave up five touchdowns the last six drives granted th- uh, three of those drives started at iowa 25 but still they gave up six touchdowns and or five touchdowns last six drives. So that's that's the ultimate badness for a defense. And you know, I was been a good scoring defense for the last five years, somewhere in that neighborhood, five six years. Uncharacteristic. We're in kind of uncharted territory. But right now, I, I think it has to be a. a high scoring game and I think Iowa at home home helps and I think Iowa coming off the performance they had this is a get tough moment if they they rise up they win if they don't it, it's an interesting season and they're two and two or they're one and two going into their last tune-up basically and with a bye week and, and um, I don't think uh, that's the course they want to contemplate and that's all I have to say about that first and goal bottom of four. First possession of overtime Diving is he in? No official word. Linesman running it. Gets it to him. Late, but he got it. Talk about imposing your will. Marcus Coker and this Iowa ball club just imposing their will on Iowa State. Just a terrific series for Coker and the Iowa offensive line. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check out the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. Check us out on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. And this year, we've added video highlights of all the Hawkeye games, plus action from around the Big Ten Conference and other major BCS conferences. Don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeye's Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Daily Iowa. Hey, barkeep, whose leg do you have to hump to get a dry martini around here? 
Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, a revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Fox Sports Network for the game highlights this week. Thanks to our contributors, Susan Dank and Mark Morehouse. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.